morning. Uh, my name is Elmer Chen, and I am husband to Carlana and dad to Josh and Jayla. Carlana is sick, Jayla is sick, Josh is at work, and so they all have legitimate excuses to miss my preaching again. <laughs> Same thing happened at Calvary uh, a couple months ago. It's like, I'm just here by myself. I, I don't know why it always happens, but somehow they managed to get out of listening to Dad speak. I just, amazing coincidences. Uh, but uh, I, uh, it's privilege to bring the word this morning, and I am uh, also a chaplain at the U of M, and I do some teaching for SBC, and I just started a counseling practice in Steinbeck, Steinbeck Counseling, and so uh, God is uh, <laughs> constantly bringing me into new adventures, or at least I hope it's God and not just me. I really hope it's God and not just me. I, I, I believe it is. Uh, God just has a roundabout way of kind of directing my path, and I don't know why it's that way, but all I know is I'm going to end up in the new creation, inside the gates of the new Jerusalem, face to face with Jesus one day. And that's my destiny, and that's yours, if you're a follower of Jesus. I'm a citizen of heaven, and so that I'm sure of. <laughs> I don't know what it'll look like between now and then, but uh, hey, that's in God's hands, and I think we're in very good hands. Amen? All right, uh, so let's, uh, let's pray, and we'll get into the Word. Father, thank you for... Your holy word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who lives in us. Thank you for the salvation that we have in Christ, that we become new creatures in Christ. And our home, our citizenship is in heaven with you. Jesus, we... Uh, as we look into your word, we invite you to come and to speak. Will you open our hearts to receive? And will you give us grace this day and this week and this year and each day of our lives to live and to walk in obedience to your word and your spirit? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, let me ask you this. If you could press a magic button and fast forward to the new creation and find yourself right there in the holy city with Jesus, if you could do that, I mean, Elon Musk's shuttle to Mars is nothing compared to this, right? And it, it doesn't cost you millions. If you, could, if you could go there, fast forward right now to that place and that time, would you do it? 
I know, yes, it's the right answer, but, but think about it. Would you do this? Yeah? Yeah, we've, we've had enough of this place. <laughs> oh, there are good times to be had, but, but this is hard. And, and, and we live in the now and the not yet. We live here on earth with sin and with death and with darkness and with pain. And then one day, all that stuff will be gone forever and ever. God will close the door to sin and close the door and he will take suffering and, and death and throw it into the pit and lock the door forever and ever. Won't that be good? That's, that's what we have to look forward to. Uh, and as we live this life now, and, and I'm glad uh, Carlin uh, put that prayer up earlier on because uh, as, as we were going through that, I thought, hey, this is about embracing the kingdom and saying no to the world because we don't belong in this world anymore. We belong in this one. And so we can live the kingdom life right now. We can live eternal life right now through the Holy Spirit. And that's who we are and that's how we live and so, uh, just to make a quick turn, we'll come back to this. Uh, I've, I've titled my message, AIDS. Acquired Indignant Dissension Syndrome. I know those are big words. But there's a disease going around in the church. And we acquired it from the culture around us. And we, it happens again and again and again. That's why we call it a syndrome. And we have a culture that has lost the ability to disagree reasonably a culture that is unable to have an honest conversation and disagree and yet be at peace with each other. It's like, if you don't believe the right stuff, you're out. I'm, I'm canceling you, right? Uh, if, I, I want to shoot you down. Uh, if, if you don't conform to the cultural orthodoxy, you can't, you can't sign on and, and confess and affirm their dogmas. You're treated like a heretic, right? And one thing I have observed uh, during COVID <laughs> with all the restrictions and all the mandates is that much of the church is exactly the same. I'm for vaccines. Well, I'm against vaccines. Well, let's fight it out. Or I'm not talking to you. Or I'll have my group here and we're going to talk about you guys. And I'll have my group over here and I'll talk about you guys. Right? I'm for masks. I'm an anti-masker. Anybody? Don't have to put up your hands. <laughs> you can go to the private confession booth afterwards. <laughs> 
if you have one of those, right? <laughs> In the bathroom. All right. Well, you know what I'm talking about, right? The church has become just like the culture around us. We argue and fight over little things, and it's not even the gospel. Come on, the gospel is worth fighting about. The gospel is worth getting arrested for. None of this other stuff is. Okay? Can we get that straight? But it seems we have, we have a, a problem here. We, we have a bit of a, a disease. And, yeah, I'm old. Reading glasses, plus I'm wearing contacts today. <sighs> So as Christians, we are called to live lives that look radically different from the culture around us. Romans 12, too, right? Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be like everyone else. If you, if you love Jesus, your life should look different. Your attitudes should look different. The, the, way, you, the way you handle relationships should look different. Uh, now, I'm not going to, uh, to Romans today. I'm going to the book of Galatians. And so you can turn to the book of Galatians uh, and, and this is about, you know, Galatians is, is an interesting book. It, it has all these great zingers in there that I, I just love. There were, I remember... Uh, uh, one time my sister asked me what my favorite book was, and I say Galatians, and I'm thinking, oh yeah, like there's these great verses in there, you know, 220, for I've been crucified with Christ, and, and, and 5, uh, 16, walking by the Spirit, and, and all these things, but uh, when you study the book, so much of it seems so irrelevant. What, what's he talking about? Circumcision and the law, and like, how, what is this all about? Well, a little bit about the Galatians. Uh, interestingly, the word uh, comes from the, the Galatians uh, is actually related to the, the Gauls and even the Celts, all right, originally from Central Europe. And, and so this people group kind of <laughs> seemed to have spread both ways over, over the centuries. And, and so that's kind of an interesting connection. But... But the, the region of Galatia, the province of Galatia, is in modern-day Turkey. You know where Turkey is, right? There's this big peninsula. And, and if you imagine a strip uh, running down the middle of the peninsula that covers about a third of the territory, right, that's about where Galatia is. And these Celts or Gauls, they live in North Galatia. And then the people that Paul preached to in his first missionary journey uh, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, they, they're in South Galatia. <clears throat> uh, and there's a debate about that, but we won't get into scholarly debates this morning. Uh, but in any case, that gives you a picture of where, where these people live. And it's a group of churches. Notice Paul says in, at the beginning of the book, to the churches of Galatia. All right, uh, it's a region, not a city. 
And the problem in Galatians is that someone came up, Paul had come along and preached the gospel, and many of them were saved. And, and then after he left, other people came preaching a different gospel, a false gospel, basically saying that in order to be truly saved, you have to become a Jew, and you have to be circumcised. The Jews were circumcised, the, the Gentiles were not, and this was a cultural dividing line, and for the Jews, they thought this was also a religious dividing line. If you want to be saved by our Messiah, you have to become a Jew. And, and circumcision, well, it's a high price to pay. <laughs> it really is. Uh, I've heard it's, uh, you know, to be circumcised as an adult, you are in a whole lot of pain uh, for, for a few days. Uh, and, and so, uh, and the problem is that the Jews, these Judaizers came along and said, the Christian gospel, in order to be saved through Christ, you have to be circumcised. And, and so throughout Galatians, uh, there's this problem where, where Paul is saying, look, you don't have to keep all these laws of the Old Testament, especially circumcision, in order to be saved. You're saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I want to pause here and debunk a few common myths. I think Galatians is the time to do it because you hear a lot of people talk about legalism. Legalism. Well, you know what? Keeping rules, keeping laws, it's not legalism. When someone says, well, you should, you know, like the Bible says this and you should do it, that's not legalism. That's obedience. <laughs> that's loving your Savior, obeying his commands. All right? Uh, legalism is... I obey, therefore I am saved. It's the idea that in order to be saved, I have to, I have to keep these rules. Uh, and, and yet, you know, you read through the Bible, the Bible is not against laws, it's not against rules, not against commands. God, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. Right? Uh, there's another kind of legalism where the Pharisees uh, were saying, hey, you know, all right, so you're supposed to uh, tithe, but what does that mean? Okay, it means this and it means that. And they made up their own rules to interpret God's law. And then they said, because I'm keeping these rules, uh, I'm okay. When the whole time they're disobeying God's law and God's heart and God's intent. All right, that's another kind of legalism. All right, uh, another thing I want to clear up, hypocrisy. People, have you ever heard people say like, Look, I'm a hypocrite, you're a hypocrite, we're all hypocrites. And I just cringe when I hear that because Jesus didn't use that word that way. Jesus never called his disciples hypocrites. He didn't. All right? And, and so why do, we, why do we call each other that? Or why do we call ourselves that? Hypocrisy is not failing to live up to a standard. We all fail, we all mess up, we all sin. That doesn't make you a hypocrite. Being a hypocrite is to be a pretender. Hypocrisy about pretense. And, and it's about uh, doing something on the outside to look good, but on the inside, you have no intention of worshiping God. You have no intention of following Christ or obeying his commands. And that's what hypocrisy is. Uh, can I tackle one more? Uh, 
religion. You hear people say, look, I'm not religious. I'm, I just love Jesus. I'm not religious. Christianity's not a religion. It's, it's a relationship. Uh, well, it's both. Jesus was religious. Paul was religious. And the Bible does not say that religion, per se, is wrong. In fact, uh, James says, look, true religion, right? Religion that God, God loves is to look after the widows and the orphans, right? To keep yourself from being polluted by the world. It's false religion that's a problem. But Jesus was religious. <laughs> and so don't get offended when people call you religious. I want to say, hey, what do you mean by that? Let's talk about it. But in my heart, I know that following Jesus is the true religion. All right. Uh, stepping off my soapbox, even though all of that is related to Galatians, uh, let's have a look here. Uh, there, Paul, throughout this letter, makes several comparisons to make his point. You remember that the main problem is, is it circumcision or is it simply the gospel? Is that a part of the gospel or not? And, and in chapter 1 and 2, he is comparing circumcision with faith in Christ. And it is faith in Christ that saves you, not circumcision, that justifies you, not circumcision. In chapter 3, he talks about faith versus works of the law. All right, is it faith in Christ or works of the law? And it's, it's not talking about love the Lord your God. It's not talking about do not commit murder. He, you need to hear circumcision in this because that's what they were hammering on. Okay, is it... Uh, is it by faith? You are saved by faith. You're justified by faith, not circumcision. And then it goes on, uh, and he's talking about the law versus the promise. Abraham, the promise to Abraham, the law given by Moses, and it's, it's the promise that saves, not the law. Uh, and then he goes on, and, and it's in chapter 4, the, the comparison between slavery and sonship. And the gospel makes you a son of God through Christ. And you are not a slave anymore. Again, the contrast of the true gospel and the false gospel. And then uh, chapter 5, is it slavery or freedom? You know, God has, God has set you free. Christ has set you free. You're not a slave to the law. Don't be a slave to the law of circumcision. And, and in chapter 6, sorry, chapter 5, first. Uh, verses 1 to 6, he puts it all together and there's, uh, there's all these different ideas coming together. It's not circumcision, it's Christ. If you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you and you'd have to keep the whole law and it's not by the law, it's by grace, it's through the Spirit, it's by faith, it comes out in love. And so uh, you see the contrast here that he is drawing the gospel 
we receive by faith in Christ. And I realize that all this sounds like a lot of scholarly mumble jumble, but uh, in chapter five, verse 13, he gets to the, the crux of this. You are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And, and you know that in later on in chapter 5, he goes on to talk about walking by the Spirit, not by the flesh. These are the deeds of the flesh. These are the fruit of the Spirit. And, and the whole thing, this whole, this whole book is saying, don't do flesh. Do Spirit. All right, live the kingdom, and and the interesting thing about flesh is that yes, he, the the word flesh, uh, all through the Old Testament has meant mere creatures, mere mortals apart from God. All men are just flesh. God is the Almighty. He sits on the throne, and and these armies you see around you, they're, they're just flesh. They're weak. They're nothing. Okay? And, and so that's the way the flesh is used. And, and so it's, own, it's merely human power apart from God. If you want something to, to encapsulate, your flesh is me without God. Me on my own. That's flesh. And we're not to live that way. And this false gospel has us living without God. It's about my doing. And, and, the, and the, uh, the play on words here is interesting because you know that circumcision happens in the flesh, <laughs> in the body. And, and, and Paul says, look, your, your circumcision in the flesh, well, this is just carnal human doing, and God isn't in it. This is just flesh. Right. And so we're called to live by the Spirit. We were created to live by the Spirit. In fact, if, you were to, if we were to go back now to Genesis 2-7, God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into him the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Did you know that you were created to live with the Spirit of God in you? All humanity was created to live with the Spirit of God in us, to be totally dependent on Him for life. That's what we were made to be. And when we sinned, we lost the Spirit, and we lost the life, and we have lost the fellowship with God. And, and the gospel is to restore that life to us and that fellowship with us. I don't know if you've noticed, but every time uh, the, the apostles preached the gospel, they, the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit was the reward. Right? And even here in Galatians, is, is it works of the law or is it the Spirit? Uh, in chapter 3, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing in Christ, <laughs> believing in the gospel you heard? 
Did you receive this Holy Spirit is precious. This is, remember we talked about the new Jerusalem, the new heavens and the new earth, the new creation. The Holy Spirit is your link. The Holy Spirit is your key, your vessel, your, your, your ticket to live that resurrection life, that new creation life. And you can live it now. The Holy Spirit gives us a preview of the life to come. That's why uh, Paul says he is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance. A deposit. He's, you get a taste of it right now. You get a taste of heaven right now through the Holy Spirit living in you. And so as you live, we're called to live in the Spirit. Uh, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. How are we to live? We're to live the crucified life, the Jesus life, the spirit life. And our other option is to live the flesh life, the me life. And so this is our choice. Do I want to live the flesh life or the spirit life, the me life or the Christ life? And that's what Galatians is all about. And so, uh, look at 419. 419, he says, uh, my, dear, my little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. What did Paul want for the church? Oh, that Christ would be formed in you. Oh, that you would look like Jesus in your heart, in your behaviors, in your attitudes, in, in your love for one another. But instead, you are biting and devouring one another. You're fighting over these things. Uh, the, so the goal is for Christ to be formed in us. We're called to live the Christ life, the crucified, resurrection life, the, the new creation life, and to do this through the Spirit. And so as we live, we, we need to ask ourselves, am I, am I living the flesh or the Spirit? This moment, in this situation, in this relationship, is this, uh, look at myself now, is this Spirit or flesh? Is this Jesus or is it merely me without God doing my own thing? Now, verse, and, and notice verse 15. <laughs> but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Uh, do you think they had a problem in Galatia? <laughs> they had a problem. <laughs> they had big problems in their church. If you bite and devour one another, wow. Uh, and interestingly, if you, if you look at verse 26, 27, Sorry, 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. 
it seems like they had some relational issues, right? And so before and after this flesh-spirit passage, we have this biting and devouring one another. Look, watch out for your, your conceit and provoking one another and envying one another. They, they had relational problems. This seemed to be the major problem here in Galatia. And and so Paul's uh, Paul's solution in verse sixteen. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are, uh, but if you are uh, led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So we're called to walk by the Spirit. This is your part, your responsibility to follow the Spirit's desire. Notice in verse 17 that this battle is on the level of desires. The spirit desires this, the flesh desires that. It's not all about your mind and what you're thinking. Uh, What is more crucial is what kind of desires dominate your heart. If you want a really good thermometer, a measure of your, your spiritual temperature, Look at your desires. What do you desire most? What do you crave the most? It's really telling. What are you most attracted to? What are your passions? What are your motives? Temptation is only a problem when you desire sin. Okay? Temptation is only a problem when you desire sin. You know, if you have a piece of chocolate cake in the fridge, leftover chocolate cake, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, you had a family member, brother, sister, uh, wife, husband, who says, hey, uh, you know, there's that cake still in the fridge. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah, it's still there. It's still waiting for you. Okay, so they can tempt you with this, but what if you don't like cake? <laughs> What if you have no desire to eat cake? Say that all you want. So what? I'm not tempted because the desire isn't there. Okay? Temptations are only temptations when you desire it, when you crave it. And so the key is in your desires. If you, if you love the things that Jesus loves and if you hate the things that Jesus hates, those temptations are gone. And yeah, I know that we'll never arrive, fully arrived in this life, but what if we can grow in loving the things that Jesus loves, in desiring the things that the Spirit desires? What if this is the path of growth and we can actually cultivate a greater hunger for the things of God and less appetite for the things of the Spirit? 
Uh, I want to I come back to that. Sorry, I didn't uh, take note of when I started preaching. Uh, but 11-11, really? Seriously? Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay. Um, in that case, <laughs> you know, if you, one of the keys to walking by the Spirit is to learn to become more aware, okay, is to cultivate awareness of what's going on right now. Am I Am I walking in the spirit or am I walking in the flesh? What is this coming from? If you live mindlessly, you will automatically drift into sin. It's the pull of gravity, and you will automatically drift into sin. Uh, but if you learn to live intentionally, yeah, today I want to serve Jesus. Yeah, right now I want to to follow Christ. I want to do what pleases God my Father. I, I want to, what does the Holy Spirit desire? You know, when you face those difficult situations, when you, when you face a decision time, what does the Holy Spirit want right now? And if you're a Christian, it's in there. It's in there. If, if you're born again, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and there is this desire in you to please God. There may be other competing desires, but there is a desire in you to please God. And, and, so, and so we, we want to, to, as we watch our step, hey, what is it that pleases God? What is it that the Holy Spirit desires in this situation? And we can cultivate an awareness of that. You know, a few years ago, uh, I got a Fitbit, and uh, yeah, it's uh, Aunt, was it Aunt Margaret's uh, Air Miles or whatever it was, I forget. But, but uh, I got a Fitbit and <clears throat> suddenly I'm getting feedback on how many steps I'm taking. <laughs> Do you think that affected my activity? Oh yeah, yeah, I, I oh yeah. Oh, look at this. What? Only 700 steps today? <laughs> Get out of the house, man. Okay? And, or, or I'm going to pace as I read. You know? and, and, okay, I want to hit 5,000. Good, I want to hit 6,000. And the more you become aware of what's going on, the easier it is to hit your goal. Right? That's what all this kind of feedback that, that, that the Fitbit gives you uh, it helps you to stay on track of your goal. And so, uh, walking in the Spirit, learning to check yourself moment by moment. Hey, what pleases God here? What does the Holy Spirit want? Let's look within. What kind of desires here really please the Spirit? What we need is transformed taste buds to learn to love 
what Jesus loves. You know, you can't change your desires directly, but you can, over time, change them. Do you know, I, uh, I used, I used to have a sweet tooth as a kid. Oh yeah, bike to the corner store, Mars bar, root beer, or, or it's a hot summer, so you go down to the deep freeze with a spoon, <laughs> and you dig into the ice cream, just one scoop, <laughs> and then five minutes later, yeah, one more scoop. No one will notice. <laughs> before you know it, the ice cream's almost gone, and, and my parents are saying, let's have ice cream, and oh, what happened to all the ice cream? <laughs> Well, uh, it's a hot week. Well, I, I, I used to be a, a sweet tooth when somewhere along in my mid-30s, I don't know, in my 30s somewhere, uh, I decided I, I need to start eating healthy. And, and in fact, my friend introduced me to this diet, and, and I, was, I was a virtual vegan for probably a year or two. Uh, no meats, you know, and eating my vegetables as, as raw as much as possible. And, and I realized that it's possible to learn to eat healthy and to enjoy healthy food. Because if all you're eating is junk food, you start craving that. But if you start eating healthy, this, this is going to change your taste buds. And, you know, I, I would get up in the morning and, 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 you know, do the soy milk or whatever. I used to think soy milk was healthy. And I, like, stuff it with spinach and carrots for sweetness. Yeah, did you know carrot is one of the sweetest vegetables? Uh, no sugar, nothing sugared. I, it, it's just, I just stuffed that thing full of, of, of veggies and I, I drink. And after a while, I come to enjoy it. I learned, to eat, uh, I learned to eat salad without dressing, and I still do. Oh, I was going to bring some spinach here today. And I was like, you know, just take it, try this sometime. Grab a handful of spinach and, and just, just eat it straight. Yes, you can, you can learn to enjoy this over time. Do you know, I, I never thought I could drink coffee without sugar, and now, don't you ever sugar my coffee. Like, no way. <laughs> no sugar. And your taste buds can change with habit. And the more you live in the spirit, the more you go through those moments of test and you say, I will choose what the spirit desires, it changes your desires. You begin to love the things of God more than you used to and the attractions of the world becomes less attractive to you. It actually works. I, I, uh, I've been taking cold showers for about, what, four years now? Three, four years? When I first heard it, you know, it was Michael Hyatt, yeah, cold showers, and you know, all these uh, boost your immunity and your productivity and this and that, and, and it's all, all these good benefits, and, and I go, no way. <laughs> But you know what, what I did? I, I started uh, having a normal shower, and then I, at the end, just give myself a shot of cold. And then I increased that. And I eased my way in, and now I, I jump in there, and I'm straight to cold. 
And, and if you flush the toilet first, <laughs> it's really cold. <laughs> but you know what? I've come to love it. And, and now if I have a hot shower, I, I'm like, oh, I just feel like just sluggish and like I want to be refreshed. You know, I give myself a shot of cold at the end. I, I need this. You can change your habits and you can change your tastes. You can change your desires. It's possible. All right. Sometimes it's hard taking the first step, but you can do this. And when you come to that thing, that sin that you've committed, you know, X number of times already, well, it takes a bit of effort to say, no, this time I'm going to do that instead. And each time you do that, you're making way for easier obedience and transformed desires. All right. Are you sure it was <laughs> 10, 11? All right. <coughs> 11, 11. Okay. I will, um, well, okay, uh, verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. So you, you, want, to, you want to walk by the Spirit, uh, you want to follow the Spirit's desire, but you also want to discern the flesh and the Spirit. These, these two lists we have here, the works of the Spirit, the flesh, works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, this is about discernment. Paul is saying, here's how you know. Here's how you know whether you're walking this flesh or walking this spirit. The works of the flesh are obvious. This is how you know that you're in the flesh. And the fruit of the spirit, well, you judge a tree by its fruits. This is how you know. Okay, and so this is, he's giving them a tool for discernment here so that we can ask ourselves, is this the spirit or is this the flesh? How will we know? Well, the works of the flesh are obvious. Look at this list uh, in 19. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. So far, nothing surprising because these are, these are things that the pagans do. Right? These are the things that the pagans do. There's no sign in Galatians uh, in this book that they were doing these things. Uh, and then uh, skip to the back here. Uh, it ends with drunkenness and orgies and things like these in verse 21. These are pagan sins that everybody knows they are so wrong and you just don't do them. The Galatians know, the Corinthians didn't know, but the Galatians knew. Interesting thing though, those sexually immoral Corinthians, Paul addressed them as saints. To the saints in Corinth, and he doesn't do that with the Galatians. He, he says to the churches in Galatia. He didn't call them saints anywhere in this book. Isn't that interesting? They, they've lost the true gospel. And this is serious. But, but look, uh, so you have five at the front, two at the back of these pagan Gentile sins. And then stuck in the middle, we have not seven, but eight of these relational sins. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. And so there are 15 listed and seven of the 15 are these pagan sins and eight of the 15 are these Galatian sins, these relational sins. And, and, and 
Can, can you imagine them reading this and going, oh yeah, we know like immorality, impurity, and idolatry. <laughs> yeah, that's them doing that. And then, and then they read along enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. It's like, oh, are you talking about me? Bullseye. He hit them right between the eyes. This is about them. They're fighting and bickering with each other. Like people do on Facebook or Twitter. <laughs> right? And Paul says, this is flesh. And it's all the same. What you're doing, Galatians, is just as fleshly, just as carnal as what the pagans do. It's all the same. So smarten up. Remember the law of love. Love one another through love. Serve one another. And, and, and so uh, he, he gives this list and then he goes on. But the fruit of the Spirit, this is what the Spirit looks like. Love, joy, peace, patience. And, and contrary to popular belief, these are not divided into three categories of God, others, and self. This is all about Love for one another, uh, right? Before this passage, uh, if you, right, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour one another, remember? And then after this, it's like, let's not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The Galatian problem is a lack of love. They, it was like, hey, you're not circumcised. You're just not as good as we are. You're, you're on the outside. Right? You're not good enough. And, and this false gospel was creating divisions and, and creating this kind of, of infighting among them. And Paul says, look, that's flesh. But how do you do this? Love. You love one another. In Paul, uh, joy, joy is, is relational. It's about the joy of fellowship. Read Philippians. It's about the joy of fellowship. Do you, when when uh, when someone disses your post and trashes what you said, uh, do you take joy in fellowship with them? Right. Uh, when when you're uh, when your health is compromised and someone else isn't wearing a mask. Do you make peace with them? Or the other way around, it's like they're infringing on your freedoms and, and like they're, they're trying to push this stuff on you, these regulations on you. And do you make peace with them? Do you love these people? When, when, someone, when someone cuts you off in traffic and suddenly they're driving 20 in a 50 zone, and you're late for church. <laughs> Where's your self-control? This is spirit living. This is kingdom living. It's hard, but this is what we're called to, and God has invested his Holy Spirit living inside of you to make this happen. You can do this. You can do this. All right, so... I'm going to 
wrap up. Uh, most of you said that you want the kingdom, you want heaven. If you could go, you want that now. This is what kingdom living looks like. This is how you will behave when you get there. You're invited into this kind of life to enjoy this kind of community. So enjoy it. We live by the Spirit. So, uh, I want to challenge you. The next time you are, the next time you complain about our government, our politicians, their laws, their policies, and there's lots to complain about. Each time you complain, spend 10 minutes praying for them. Pray for your government. Pray for those who rule over you. This is what scripture says. Uh, the next time you catch yourself uh, complaining about someone else, and perhaps it's in your heart, you're going like, oh, so-and-so did this and that. Pause and pray for them. Uh, next time you go on social media, <laughs> give yourself a time limit. All right, I'm going to do 20 minutes. First, I'm going to pray 40 minutes. First, I'm going to pray 40 minutes, and then I'll set my timer. <laughs> Isn't that a good idea? It's not going to change the way you do social media. And then if you go over, well, <laughs> redlining it, you, uh, you make up for, for the time. All right, just, just some suggestions. How can we, how can we grow in this? in living in the Spirit. Uh, all right. Thanks for letting me preach a super long message. Let's, let's pray. Maybe Paul's gone over an hour. I don't know. <laughs> At times. There we go. Uh, let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your amazing grace towards us. Thank you for the salvation we have in Christ and the hope, the hope of one day seeing you face to face in that new earth and, and how you will wipe away all our tears and there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying or pain. Oh, Jesus, we long for that day. We love your kingdom. We love your ways. Thank you for your Holy Spirit in us. Will you teach us to live this kingdom life? Will you train us to live this kingdom life and to love the things of the kingdom? And we bless this congregation and make them fruitful. In Jesus' name, amen.